to encourage you uh, to uh, periodically check your church emails. Uh, we've been sending uh, information out to you to keep you updated on what's happening with our church. Uh, we have a, a Zoom meeting uh, that we will be asking you to join us and participating on next su Sunday at 1130 uh, so that we can give you some updates about uh, what God is doing. So check your emails, do it regularly so that we all can be blessed by what God is doing. Amen. We do have a very, very small skeleton crew here, and it's a, a different kind of feeling, but God is here. Uh, most importantly, I want to thank the, those who, have, who are here and helping out and making this uh, time in the Word possible. Now turn in your copy of the Word of God to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we are continuing to make our way through chapter 11, the book of Hebrews, God's Hall of Fame of Faith. In verse 20, we read, verse 20, we read the following. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph, and worship leaning on the top of his staff. And in verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the, of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones. By faith, by faith, by faith, we can pass the baton. We can pass the baton. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we're asking that you would have your way. Visit us today, Holy Spirit. Move in ways that we need you to move. Touch in ways that we need to be touched. God, shake us up where we need shaking. God, we thank you for uh, uh, new leadership in, in our country. Uh, we, we pray for the new president-elect, uh, Joe Biden, uh, and his, his uh, vice president, Oh, God, we pray for Kamala Harris. Oh, God, we, we lift them up right now. And, God, we just pray for our entire country that you would use this moment to unify and bring us to, back to a place of reconciliation to you. Oh, God, may we repent and come to you through all that we've gone through. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Might as well get that one out. I uh, want to just share from you with, with you from uh, this passage of scripture that I've just read. And uh, <clears throat> growing up, I was an athlete, and you can take that by faith. And one of my attributes is that I was extremely fast. I was an, uh, a blur as far as my speed was concerned. And uh, that allowed me to play uh, football. I was a punt returner and a kickoff returner and uh, defensive halfback. So I was pretty fast. But I never ran track. I was never on the track team. In spite of that, one of my most um, enjoyable track events that I uh, liked watching was the 4x100 relay, uh, uh, which, which was uh, the last e track event that would normally uh, be had uh, during uh, a, a, tr a track meet. Now, <clears throat> there it's for, for those of you like me who just, I just enjoyed watching it, but I didn't really understand. Now, what this involved, the 4x100 four, four relay, is an athletic track event 
in which teams consist of four runners who each compete 400 meters or one lap. It is traditionally the last event of a track meet. The four most important things that a runner needed to know who participated in the 4 by 100 uh, relay was one, stay in your lane, get the lead, pass the baton, and finally cross the finish line first. Now, <clears throat> you can stay in your lane, you can even, even get a lead, and maintain your lead, but if you fail to properly pass the baton, your team, even if you cross the finish line first, would be disqualified. This, in fact, happened in 2016 uh, for the American 4x100 relay women's team. Uh, they were competing against the world. They were chosen to be uh, the team that would win gold, and everything was going according to schedule until it was time for the women to uh, compete uh, in one of the last uh, relays. And as, they were, as one of the young ladies, uh, um, uh, uh, Alex uh, Felix, uh, was running in, in her lane, somehow she fell to properly pass the baton to the, the runner in the relay that was following her. The baton was dropped, and they were immediately disqualified. And so their chances for winning gold seemed like they were lost. Now, they protested, and it was determined, the good news is that a, an opponent from a foreign, from, from a foreign country intentionally uh, interfered with the passing of the baton, which caused Felix to drop it. And as a result, uh, that's why the baton wasn't passed uh, properly. And they were ultimately, uh, the U.S. relay team ultimately got a chance to run again separately from all the other teams. They beat the time and they won the goal. But the key was passing the baton. If you fail to pass the baton properly, it doesn't matter how hard you run, how long you run, how well you ran. If the baton is not passed to the person who is behind you in the proper way, they will not be able to compete in the race the way the race was intended to be run. Now, like most of us listening, uh, we will never compete in a 4 by 100 relay. And while this is true, all of us are running in a race called life. Each of us has been given a baton to pass on, and it's called legacy. We have been given a baton to pass on to someone behind us, someone on the side of us. And when we fail to pass it on properly, uh, we will see, as we look in the scriptures today, the danger of that. Now, let me share some things. If, if you don't get anything else that I'm going to say as we look into this passage, you need to hear what I'm going to say. When you frame your focus by faith, God allows you to see potential in others in a way that you are able to discern spiritually, equip them intentionally, and release purposely or purposefully people into their best future based on God's assignment for their life. Let me say that. That's a lot, but let me say it again. When you walk by faith, when you are living by faith that is evidenced through obedience to your word, God will allow you to see things in, in another person's life regarding their potential. Even when they don't see it for themselves, give you discernment spiritually as to how to help them to realize their potential and to release them 
purposefully into their best future based on God's assignment for their life. I'm going to say that in a different way. Framing your focus by faith in God's word enables you to see potential in others that they may not see in themselves. You're able to speak prophetically over that person's life and intentionally help them shape their future by your words and action. That's why it's so important that we are not uh, Christians that are controlled by our feelings, not living according to the word of God and obeying God based on what God has said and we're evidencing faith is because there's a word that God may put in your spirit about someone that you are discipling, a child that you are raising, that there's something that God wants to reveal to you that they can't see for themselves. But if your flesh is in the way, you're not going to be able to hear that word from God or see that potential in someone, and therefore it never gets spoken. It never is spoken. If you lack faith as a parent that is evidenced through your lack of obedience to the word, you will never see what your children can be. You'll never see what they can be. You will fail to understand what the scriptures means when the Bible says that children are like arrows in a man's quiver. And an arrow in a quiver is, is you can have 50 arrows, but if you don't know how to direct the arrow to a predetermined target, the arrow will be just fired aimlessly and never hit a target that means anything. And so when God, and the Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord and the fruit of the wound is a reward, our job is to take that arrow and, uh, and see from the vantage point of God by faith, where is it? Train up your child in the way according to their propensity, according to, according to their proclivities, the direction that God has revealed to you in terms of their interests and skills and gifts. You, you direct that arrow by the things you expose them to, but if you never see it, you're just going to be going through the motions of raising a child who never has heard prophetically from their parents what it is that God has revealed to you about the direction that they should be going in their lives. How many of you have grown up and no one has ever spoken prophetically over your life about what you could be based on what God revealed to them about you because they knew you best? Your child is like an arrow in, 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 in the bow. It, 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 you need to know how to direct that based on a life that is controlled by faith. Each time we activate potential in someone that results in them walking with God, God's call for their life, that becomes a part of your legacy. When you activate through the words that you speak into a person's life and the example that you set for them and they, and they buy into it and they accept it and they begin to live, that, live according to their potential, that person becomes a part of your living legacy even after you die. Now, let's run, let's run on. I've already said a lot, but you need, to, you need to hear that again and write that down because that's something that is going to begin to, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you receive that in your spirit, it will, it will change how you think about the things you say and even th uh, say to others as well as to yourself. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22, we read about three patriarchs. We read about 
uh, how they pass the baton of blessing onto their offspring by framing their faith, their focus by faith. These men were able to see by faith what God showed them about the future of each of their children. When you walk by faith, God will say things and show you things that other people don't hear or see. For your own family, for the people that you are mentoring, listen to what the Word of God says again in these verses. By, the, by an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau, what he saw about Jacob and Esau's future did not exist at the time he said it. But God showed Jacob, God showed Isaac these truths about the future of his two sons. By an act of faith, Jacob, on his deathbed, blessed each of Joseph's sons in turn blessing them with God's blessing about a promised land that he never realized in his own life, but he promised land to all of Jacob's children based on what God showed him through the eyes of faith. God will show you things when you're walking by faith. And finally, by an act of faith, Joseph, while dying, prophesied the exodus of Israel, and he made arrangements for his own burial. He saw Four years, 400 years of slavery. He saw through the eyes of faith that God revealed to him as he had walked in obedience what was in fact going to happen in the future. I, I'm not talking about this something spooky, something only happens if you're Pentecostal, or do I have to get the problem? No, I'm simply saying that faith will do what Paul says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man what God will reveal to those who love you. When you walk by faith, God will show you things that you can say to somebody, and because you said it in, 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 in a rhyme of moment, that person not only will hear it, but it will change their life for, for eternity. Now, as we, as we look into this, I want to first talk about two things. The scripture says, when we, when the, the, the key back, back scripture is Genesis chapter 48 and 49, and we're going to look at some of those passages. And I may just highlight them and you go back and read them, but the key thing is the Scripture talks about, I want to focus on one of the three men. We're not going to talk about Isaac or Joseph. I want to talk about uh, Jacob, who is also called Israel. There are two words that I want you to consider with you, and the word, <clears throat> the word blessing, which is the Hebrew word for barak, and the word in, in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, that when Jacob blessed his sons, the Bible says that he would worship as he was leaning on his staff. He blessed them as he was leaning on his staff. I want you to know this thing is, this is, this is a supernatural. When you understand the power that we have through faith as we are yielding to the Spirit of God, we will begin to just operate on a whole nother level of understanding the seriousness of God's call on us. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. Now, so what does the word bless mean? The word barak or the Hebrew word for bless means to bow the knee, to show respect, to honor, bestow favor, to view something or to view something as important or significant. It means to kiss the hand. One of the things that you would see, and in, in, in even today in the Catholic Church, uh, the, the cardinals and the bishops and the archbishops, when they're in the presence of the, of the pope, one of the, they, when they step into his presence, they will kneel and they will kiss the signet ring. 
And the kiss of the ring is, a, is an indication of their recognition of the level of authority and importance of the Pope. And so whenever I'm blessing someone, whenever I'm speaking into another person's life, I'm saying to them by my words of encouragement, by my words that are coming as I'm being directed by the Holy Spirit, I'm saying that you are important, that you are significant, that you matter to me, that you have value. And so we want to understand this whole thing of passing the baton, passing the blessing to the, the to your prosperity, uh, posterity, passing the blessing to your children, passing the blessing to those who you're discipling. It means to encourage, to bend the knee, to respect, to show favor. And, and so now I want to talk about now, secondly, what is the significance of Jacob worshiping as he leaned on his shepherd's staff? What's the significance of that? Here's a, you, you need to get this. First of all, <clears throat> pronouncing a blessing over the life of a person is sacred. It's holy. It's not something that you can randomly do. It's really something that is divine in origin when it is legit. God will give you this word of knowledge or this insight. So it's sacred. And so this thing, when, he was, when he's leaning over his staff, he's on his deathbed, but the Bible says that Jacob was dying, but Israel set up, and now he's worshiping as he's leaning over this staff, and he understands that what he's about to do is holy and it's sacred. It's God-honoring. Secondly, power is released by God when we say what he has shown us, what he sees about a person. There's power released through your words. When God shows you something about who he wants you to speak into their lives, power of the word of God is released in their life that will e either initiate their understanding of what their call is and assignment is, or it will cause them to begin to uh, consider their journey. And I'm thinking about uh, Saul, when, when Samuel was sent to anoint him as, as, as king, the prophet went to Saul and he spoke over his life as, as, as a shepherd over the nation of Israel, as a shepherd prophet. And it was him who told Saul what he could be. And when he spoke those words about what Saul could be, he was literally speaking the very word of God over Saul's life. Now, some of this is going to go right over your head, but we, we'll get there. We're getting there because we need to understand that we need to be praying over our children and seeing what God has shown us about what they can be even before they understand. And then we need to be directing that arrow based on what God has predetermined the assignment or target for their life. We need to be very intentional about this. Now, <clears throat> picking a symbol like the shepherd's rod accentuates the sacredness, gives, it highlights the sacredness of the act of pronouncing a prophetic blessing. The rod represented authority. The shepherd, the, the shepherd, the rod of a shepherd meant that he was in charge of that flock. The rod represented spiritual covering or protection. The husband is the shepherd over his home. He's the spiritual covering. He, you may not have a shepherd's rod, but you are a shepherd over your home. And so the shepherd's rod represented authority and protection and covering. The shepherd rod represented spiritual direction and vision 
vision. Whenever the shepherd took out the rod, he was preparing to lead his flock. He was preparing to, to take them somewhere they hadn't been, take them somewhere that they didn't know how to get to unless he directed them. And so the shepherd's rod represented vision. The shepherd's rod also represented total dependence on God. The shepherd went everywhere the shepherd went, he took the rod because the rod, in the case of Jacob, was how God led him out of out of all of his troubles, the rod represented that God was the presence of God that, that Jacob was depending on. Now, here, let, me, let me just break it down like this. We do this. When we have birthday parties for our children or trunk parties, and we invite all their friends, and then we tell people, listen, would you say something encouraging about my daughter or my son? What we're asking them to do is to speak prophetically into our children's lives. And the symbolism is, we don't have a shepherd's wife, but there's a symbol. The symbolism is based on that special day. And so the day is what makes it special and sacred. What I'm suggesting is that we get real intentional about Every time one of my children would have a birthday, when they were young enough, I would pick them in my arms, and I would begin to speak over their lives prophetically and say what I believe God was showing me to be true in their lives. I, had, I didn't have a shepherd's wife, but I'm almost suggesting I'm about to get me a shepherd's wife, because when I I'm speaking into somebody's life as a pastor. When you're speaking into your children's life, it's sacred. You're speaking with divine authority. You're speaking as somebody who is dependent upon God to give you insight that the only way that you would see into someone's future is because God revealed it to you. Parents should know their children well enough to, to understand what their capabilities are, what their characteristics are. When's the last time you spoke over your children? Something that God had revealed about their character. Something that God had revealed about a specific skill. Something that God revealed about that could ultimately be a problem. In that. When's the last time when you laid hands on your children and spoke as the shepherd with your rod of, of understanding that the rod is really just a symbol, but the, the, what it represents is authority and dependence empowered. Your words release life or death in those who God has assigned to be under your covering. And so Jacob, the Bible said he leaned on his staff. He was dying, but he was worshiping, leaning on the staff, on the authority of God to do what he was about to do. Now, why should you pass the baton of blessing of, of faith? And I'm serious. I, I don't think we do this with our children enough. I don't think we do this to one another enough. We're too busy trying to find fault in one another. When God wants, we are the descendants of Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. That means we all can be great. Not all can be, but we are great in Jesus. And so we should be speaking greatness into one another. I'm not talking about ignoring sin. No, the Bible said we should admonish one another, warn one another, rebuke one another. All that is important too. But in the doing of that, the purpose is to bring the person back to a place where they understand if I'm walking outside the will of God, now I'm missing my potential. Now I'm not experiencing God's purpose. So my love for you is to bring you back in alignment with your purpose. Now, why should you pass the baton of blessing? Why should you be like Jacob? Now, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 48. This is so powerful. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. The Bible says when, when, when uh, a, a messenger was sent to Joseph and he was told that his father Jacob was in, in intensive care. He was dying. He, it wasn't long uh, for him uh, to be in the world. He, he, he listened to verses 1 and 2. We, we, we got to look at this. Now it came to pass 
after these things that Joseph was told, indeed, your father is sick. And he took, his, him, he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel, here it is. First, it says Jacob was told, but Israel strengthened himself, and he stayed up on the bed. Now, Hebrews adds that he leaned over and worship on his staff. So not only did he sit up on his bed, but so, so on, the, on the one hand, the, Jacob was dying, but the Israel on the inside of him gave him strength to sit up. Stay with me, stay with me. The reason why we need to pass the baton on to those who God has entrusted to our covering is that we have been changed. Jacob was, before he could bless, before he could speak words of prophetic authority into people's lives, he, something had to happen. In Genesis chapter 40, we learned this in Genesis chapter, of, around Genesis chapter 42, 32, I'm sorry, that Jacob was changed. His name Jacob used to mean backs, used to be deceiver, trickster, hill catcher, supplanter. He was a, he was a con man. He was a crook. That's what he was. He was a flim-flammer. That's what the name Joseph means, supplanter. But one night he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And after he held on to the angel all night, the angel says, I've got to go. The day is breaking. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And then the angel said, what is your name? He said, hill catcher, supplanter, crook, con man. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob but it shall be Israel because you have wrestled with God and prevailed. And so he changed Jacob to Israel. I want you to know that because we have been changed, Jacob represents the old man, the, the Adamic man, the fallen man, that, that, that which is under sin. But Israel represents the new man, the, the born-again man. And it's that born-again man that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 26. He said, the spirit is willing. Israel is willing, but the flesh, Jacob, is weak. And so we still have Jacob and Israel residing in the same person. But I want you to know, because we've been changed, we're no longer Jacob. We're no longer supplanter. We're no longer under the domination of sin. You and I can speak blessing over people's lives. I want you, you don't have to be a pastor. Oh, the bishop going to come and bless. No, you've got the spirit of God living in you. You need to be, understand the authority, the anointing, the covering that you carry with you everywhere you go. If you simply get out of your way. Jacob, the reason he could bless, he was changed. Another reason he could bless is because he had been blessed. When you get a chance, in verses 3 and 4, Jacob said, uh, uh, speaking uh, to his, his son Joseph, he said, God Almighty appeared to me in love in the land, and he blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a, I will make you a multiply, multiply, multitude of people and give you land to you and your descendants for an everlasting, for you as an everlasting blessing. Here, here's the point. Jacob said, I can bless because I've been blessed. You can speak words of, 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 of favor and significance and importance in the lives of others because God has already, God has met you in your past circumstances. Am I right about it? Haven't you been blessed? Now, he, the Bible says more blessed to give than to receive. You, we received enough blessings. Now God wants us as we're speaking into people's lives through the way we live and what we authentically say in the authority of the Holy Spirit 
I can say that because I'm talking from the experience of a person who, I'm a blessed person. I don't know about you, but I'm a blessed person. Amen. I'm a, oh, God, thank you. I, I, can, I can bless others by passing the baton on, passing favor on to them so that they can walk in their potential because God has already blessed me. Jacob said, I'm blessed. And then we have the responsibility to bless. God gave Israel the spiritual headship over his family. Fathers, fathers, you are the covering over your home. Whatever's going on at your house, good or bad, God is not starting with your wife. He's starting with you. You have the shepherd's rod. You have the authority. You have the covering. You have the divine protection. And as long as you lean on the everlasting, as long as you're leaning on God, he will get you to where you need to go with your family as you are directing them based on the vision that God has given. Do you, un do you have vision for your family? Are you framing your focus by faith so that you can see where your family can be, what your marriage can be, what your children can be? God gave Israel spiritual authority, leadership over his family. God gave believers the responsibility to bless others. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill. You are the salt. We are, we are left in the world that we might be the prophetic voice, the proclamation of God in the world. We are blessing people every time we share the gospel. We're blessing people by allowing them to hear what God has said. Oh, God, that's our role. As Christians, we have a responsibility. Oh, it's also true that we don't, we shouldn't, we should be like the, the, like the lepers in, in 1 Kings chapter 7. Then we, you can't help yourself but bless others. When you've been, oh, God's been so good to me. I just, want, I, I just want to figure out how I can bless you, how I can get you to where God is trying to take you. Let's just, we can talk about this thing. But if, if you need a little money, I'll help you with that. I don't got a lot. I'll help you with that. If you need a word, of, I can give you all of that. I can give, whatever you need, I have been blessed. The beggar said, how can we eat like this? How can we celebrate like this? How can I have this nice house and this comfortable bed when I know people are hungry on Thanksgiving? We shouldn't be able to help ourselves. Now, who should you bless? Who should you bless? Who should you pass the baton on to? I'm glad you did. Jacob or Israel blessed the undeserving. Ephraim and Manasseh were not the natural biological children of Jacob. But he said, I'm, in, I'm engrafting them. I see that family down the street, and they don't have everything my family has. I see that young man who doesn't know what it means to be a man, and he doesn't have a male in his life. I'm going to make Ephraim and, Math and, and, and Manasseh a part of this, a part of my blessing. And so he blessed the undeserving. Who are you blessing that can't return the blessing to you? Are you willing to bless somebody if they, say, if they don't ever say thank you? If they don't tell everybody how great you are, are you willing to bless those who don't bless you, the undeserved? He blessed everyone. In Genesis, in, 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 uh, Genesis chapter 49, verse 1 and verse 28, he said, he blessed each one according to his own blessing. I want you to know everybody that crosses your path, the word of life and death is in your mouth. You have the power to bless everyone that comes because you are a child of God. You have the spirit of God living in you. And so you can bless everyone, even the undeserving. Now here, as we close, how do you bless? How do you bless? How do you pass the baton? How do you keep your legacy going? How do you 
put other people above yourself, even on your deathbed. Israel was thinking about his posterity. He was thinking about his kids. He was thinking about ways of blessing his family beyond the grave. Now, how can you do it? Well, in verse 28 of chapter 49, the Bible says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them. This is what Israel said. When he blessed them, giving each the blessing appropriate to him, he personalized it. Your, all, your children are not the same. You can't pronounce a blessing on one child as that's necessarily identical to the other child. He personalized it. You need to pray for discernment. You need to pray for divine wisdom and insight over the, into, into the lives of the people that God has brought, put, put under your covering. So he personalized it. Secondly, he touched them. The scripture says he kissed and embraced them in chapter 48, verse 10. Now, I ain't kissing my son. I ain't kissing that joker. And my daughter think that I'm, my daughter probably think I'm queer if I kiss her. Now, you don't literally, this is just examples of what touching was needed and necessary. Touching conveys, when it's not perverted, it conveys significance and importance. I'm not talking about patting your wife on the back of the head or, 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 or pinching someone. Oh, I love you, but you just cut through their skin with your pinch. No, no. When you touch somebody significantly, and out of genuine affection, it communicates to them without a word that they are important. And one of the things that often happens in marriage, where marriages begin to wax cold, is that there's no touching. There's no physical contact. And physical contact, brothers, is not always about sex. It's just about being, showing affection. Showing, showing affection. And so the Bible says he embraced them and he touched them. As I said, when I would pray over my kids on their birthday, and I still do this, the way I would touch them is just put my hand on their shoulder. And I began to pray over them and tell them what I believe God has called, has, has revealed to me about where they should be. First of all, where are you going spiritually? What their walk is before the Lord, what their talents are, and what areas they can be. I, be, I, I, get, I get serious about this thing. So I'm putting my hands on them. I have no trouble embracing my kids. And so a part of passing the baton on involved spiritual, it involved touching. Dads, don't be afraid to touch your adult daughters. Moms, don't be afraid to give your adult sons hugs. They may be, they may be reluctant, but they're waiting on you to be cool with it. There's a blessing that is conveyed through genuine, meaningful touch. And so... He personalized it. He touched them. And then here's another thing that happened in verse uh, six, 15 and 16. Then he blessed Joseph and said, may the, God be, may the God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been shepherd all of my life to this day. He spoke the blessing. Sometimes we're so uncomfortable with our own family. Just open up this word and read a, a, a scripture and, and, and say, this, 
It's a scripture that I'm praying that God will engraft on your heart. This is how I'm praying for you. And you open up this Bible, dads, and you look at that child. He said, I love you so much. I just want this to be true. Now, I'm not trying to make what is true something that God hasn't already predetermined. I'm trying to say this is what is revealed based on the skills that you have, and I don't want you to miss out on your potential. When's the last time you spoke over your children, over your marriage, over your wife? Wives, when is the last time you spoke over your husband and said something encouraging about where you think God is taking them and what God is releasing in them and how they are growing? Here's another thing. Be led by the Spirit. We're almost done. Be led by the Spirit. In, in Genesis chapter 48, verse 17 to 19, what happens is when Israel is blessing the two sons, Ephraim and, and, and Manasseh, uh, he, Israel is blind. He can't see. And so Joseph has to bring the boys close to his, his father. And what he does, he puts his right hand on the head of the younger son and left hand on the hand of the older son. And the Bible says this displeased Joseph. And he said, Dad, are you blind? You're not, this ain't right. You, the oldest son is supposed to get the double portion. And Israel said, no, this is not the way I decide. This is how the spirit leads. That's, Joseph ought to understood that. He was one of the youngest of the ten, 12 brothers, but it was him who got the coat of many colors. It was him who Isaac favored. And so what happens is when you're blessing your kids and you're talking about your inheritance and your estate and who's going to be your executor, who's going to make all these kind of decisions, it doesn't mean that you give that decision to the oldest person or the kid that, the, the, no, no, you give it to the child who God has shown you is responsible and mature enough to handle it the way it needs to be handled. As the Spirit leads, well, I brought one kid a pair of $100 sneakers. I guess I got to buy the rest of my, the other five. You got money for five? No. That thing is spirit only to lead you to do something you can't afford. So as the spirit leads, we are, we're getting there. Give what you can. That, I kind of jumped ahead of myself. He said in verse 22 of four, verse, chapter 48, and, you, and, and to you I give one more ridge of land than to your, and to your, unto, uh, than to your brother. The ridge I took from the Amorites, my my sword with my sword and my bow. What he's saying is, I can only give you what I have. You can't give your children what you don't have. Too many parents are living beyond their means, trying to give their children something you can't afford. He said, I'm giving you what I fought for, and this is what I have, and I'm going to proportion it based on. You can't give what you don't have. And so that's what God is telling us to do. Emphasize passing the spiritual blessing above the material blessing. See, I want to make sure all my kids have 100. You don't have 100 pennies in your pocket. I'm $100,000. What you need to be doing is preaching and proclaiming spiritual blessing, material blessing, come and go. But what you speak over their lives about where God is taking them in the spirit realm will open up doors that will provide everything they need. The blessing that Isaac, that, is, uh, that Israel emphasized was spiritual, not physical. And finally... Count on God to pull it off. If God revealed it to you and showed it to you throughout your family, he will pull it off. God will make it happen. When you read in Joshua chapter, after 400 years of slavery, and Joshua and Moses has died, and the children of Israel are now moving into the land, everything that was pro prophesied by Israel 400 years early come to pass. 
He never saw it. And, and, and their children's children didn't see it. But 400 years later, I want you to know every promise that God makes when he shows you something. It's not always for the next generation, but it's about passing the baton so that legacy continues, that faith continues, that people continue to know the power of God, how he works through faith. I'm going to just share as we close today, pass the baton. Faith allows you, when you frame your focus by faith, you understand the importance of your words. You understand about how you need to speak into people's lives. You understand about intentionally modeling how Christ is so that other people, as you have, God has shown you what they can be, as they see it in you, they will model what they see, and you will be a part of releasing them to all that they can be. I want to share a personal testimony with you. This is my, when I was, and I'm trying to, try to make it brief, I was one of the most intelligent kids early on in my school life. I, I didn't know it. I just ended up in the top third grade class. And I was sent to room 13, but I read it as 31. So I ended up in room 31. And I excelled so well in the class that the teacher thought something was wrong. And then as she researched, she determined I didn't belong in that class, so she put me in the accelerated, the highest rated level, uh, third grade class. I didn't know anything about how he's rated. All I know is when I got into that class, the teacher was not very happy about it. I can remember going home after the teacher had beaten my knuckles with a, 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 the, the, the end of a pencil. My, my hands would be so swollen I couldn't shut them. I can remember going from being one of the top students, even though I didn't know it, in the third grade where I, I could not even spell my own name. Terrified to go to school. Pretending to be sick not to be in school. I remember being shipped uh, my, when I was promoted to the fourth grade. I was placed in a class with special needs children. Children who, one of the uh, young men had been hit by a bus and had brain injury. Children who would, 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 would urinate on themselves. That's the class I was in. In the fifth grade, I was promoted to a class where I was a fifth grader in the class with fourth graders. Of course, I was so good at math, I was finally moved into a sixth grade class where it, was in the, uh, uh, it wasn't the highest or the lowest, it was in the middle. But I remember my teacher calling me to the front of the class because I had not done my assignment. And he stood me before the class and he said, you are one of the dumbest children that I've ever been forced to teach. You will never amount to anything. And the only reason why I am not failing you is because of how well you do in math. In the seventh grade, I was sent to junior high school. There are 32 sections. I waited three hours before they called my name. I was in 726, the class with all of the thugs. And I remember being on an elevator with my advisor, Miss Jackson. I can't tell you a single teacher other than her in all of my time as a seventh grade, Miss Jackson. And I'm standing on that elevator with her, and 
and children really weren't supposed to be on the other. But she took me on the other. She said, I'm going to get you out of this. I didn't even understand what that meant. But the next year, I found myself in a higher eighth grade class, standing before the teacher and my mother. And I said, I wanted to, go, I wanted to be in an academic class. And the teacher laughed at me and said, hey, you'd be struggling to be in the lowest of classes that we had. And so I ended up in a section of classes that, a typing class. Didn't want to be there. But because of how I was perceived and what was spoken over me, I accepted it and my mother accepted it. But then God did an Israel thing. The ninth grade principal, and the principal was changed at the beginning of the year. And the principal said, anybody that wants to change their major, you have two weeks to do it. I waited until the 13th day and I changed my major and it was an all boy industrial academic class. And so I ended up in an, on an academic track. In the 12th grade, ready to graduate, I didn't even know what college was in the 12th grade. And I'm sitting in a health class, physical education class, and my football coaches walked by and they said, Benson, get out here, get out here, you're going to college. And I said, what did I do? I didn't do it. They said, you're going to college. I, I had no idea what college was. But God was using another Israel moment. And I can just tell you time and time again how I went from my experience in the third grade to all of that and then ultimately going to college. And I never thought I even belonged there. I was so afraid they would find out I didn't belong there. But God allowed me to graduate with highest honors and end up going to probably the best seminary in the country. Why did that happen? How could that happen? Because somebody passed the baton. Somebody saw in me what I couldn't see in myself. And they spoke life. They spoke life. And because of Miss Jackson, because of a Spanish teacher, because of Mr. O, Mr. Lachlan, football coach, Mrs. Anderson and others who spoke life, I am standing before you today. And so, God, I thank you. I don't want to go to my grave missing the opportunity of helping every single one of the members of this church to reach their full potential in Christ because I failed to walk by faith and to see what God was showing me, how to equip you to become everything that you should be. Faith will allow you to pass the baton. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we bless you. Help us, oh God, to understand that this is sacred. Help us to understand that we all have Israel living in us. And if we would simply lean over our staff, that we would walk in authority, that we would walk as the covering that we are, the protection that we are, that we would have direction and vision. God, we would demonstrate by our walk that we're totally dependent on you. Oh, God, may you release in us an Israel spirit that we would begin to speak into people's lives what you are showing us that is positive and, and consistent with the, the target that you've already predetermined. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.